internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. I'm joined today by Jim Grinstead. Of course, Erica's here in a in a in a, in a new closet, which we're going to break down here in just a minute. There's, <laughs> I got a lot of questions, uh, but we're joined by Jim Grinstead of the Scams and Cons podcast. How you doing, Jim? I am doing very well post Christmas here. Uh, snowing outside, which it's not supposed to do here in Nashville, but. Uh, it's also 33 degrees, which is better than the five we had the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we're, we're having a little heat wave here in Michigan, too. It's up to 16 today. It's a balmy 16. Yeah. Yeah. Break out the shorts. So so weirdly, like we're, we're in a straight line and Erica oh, is true. directly between you and me, Jim. So I'm, I'm in southwest Michigan. She's in Indianapolis and you're in Nashville. So she's right in the middle. How's things in the middle, Erica? Well, I actually am physically in Michigan right now, Bob, because I'm at my parents' house where I grew up. Oh, but that's not helpful at all, then. No, but I do. I can give you an, a nice weather update on Indianapolis weather. So apparently, um, the steam pressure, something or other, broke, and all of the buildings in downtown Indianapolis that use steam for heat are cold today. <laughs> so oh, that presents big, bad. big problems with like plumbing. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! There, so that's I'm not sure what I'm going back to today. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's what. I, so for those of you that we're recording this on the 26th, so it's just the Monday after Christmas. Um, I got up this morning thinking uh, I'm going to take it nice and easy today. Then I looked at my calendar and I'm like, God damn, Erica, schedule the interview. <laughs> I had to get you. I had to get you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, I had work I needed to do out here anyway. I'm just joking, but uh, yeah, that was so for Jim. I live like out in the way out in the sticks, like out in the out in the country. And when the storm that rolled, because the storm we got, we got down to 35 below zero, Mm -hmm. 40 mile an hour winds. Mm -hmm. We didn't get the amount of snow they were calling for, which was good, I think. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, we have like two, we got two feet. Did you get, not get two feet? No, we got like six inches. I mean, we had drifts that were four foot high, but we only got, because of the wind, but we we only got like six inches of snow. Yeah, we lived in Milwaukee for like 15 years. And the first year we were there, my wife had two flat tires and I had to change tires in 50 below wind chill. What's the word? The next weekend, we bought a hot tub. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, your hands. Like, so I had to to do some emergency repairs on Friday, too, which was in the middle of this. And it just like, it it takes a second for your fingers to just be in throbbing pain when you're Mm -hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so. But what we were worried about was was power because we live. You yep. know, when, if power goes out where I live, I'm so far off the grid that it is so far down the priority list that it's just not happening. And yeah. I don't have a generator. And I was immediately like, "Why don't I have a generator? Yeah. Why don't I have?" Because <laughs> if the power goes out, all my plumbing is going to immediately freeze and yep. burst. And but we got lucky; we had no uh, no power outages. It wasn't. We just hunkered down, and it wasn't too bad. Good. But we did wake up to so Friday was the coldest morning. We woke up to um, about a sixty degree house, which still which makes you which makes you really thankful for what you have. Because I was really upset about sixty degrees, and I was thinking right. about the people that like don't have homes. Right? I'm like, oh, I'm I like, know. I'm, I know. 
Oh, it's awful. But we got up and it was like, oh shit, what's going on? The furnace wasn't working. And the uh, the snow was blowing so hard, it was clogging up my intake for my furnace, yeah. which oh, made it shut off. Jeez. So I, I had to go out there and, you know, it's 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 funny, you know, my I, I live with a house full of feminists, which I love. But it gets Republican as a motherfucker up in here when it's cold outside because they're like, "That's man's work, you guys. You we're staying." <laughs> my, my, my wife's bundled up in her robe, like, "Well, just I don't. I mean, that I'm a lady. I'm not going out there to do any of that shit. You go shovel the driveway. We're we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no, it's the same in our household with uh, when it comes to like. Doing all the household chores, I'm very adamant about splitting everything 50-50, you know, between the two of us. But then when it comes to mowing the lawn, nope, never worked. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Can't do it. Couldn't possibly figure it out. <laughs> I'm just a poor damsel. What do I know about exactly. such things? Yeah. Oh, I just couldn't. Yeah. Let me lie on my fainting couch. <laughs> we definitely have a easy, an even distribution of labor, but it is very much anything that's inside and warm is Becky and everything that's outside and cold is me, for sure. <laughs> Uh, it works. It works in our house. But yeah, I went out and I unplugged, and it was blit- like they were telling us, "Do not leave your house yes. unless it's you know, an emergency." You couldn't see anything. President and Biden I- told us not to leave our houses. Like the president of the country was like, no, "Yeah, stay <laughs> yeah, inside, stay home." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we and and I live down a half mile long private road, which means there's no. It hadn't been plowed. You couldn't even tell where the road was at. Well, so I go out and unclog. The pipe and the furnace kicks back on and it's starting the temperature slowly starting to climb up and then it shuts off again. And it was in it's like underneath it's in a spot where it shouldn't clog, but the wind was just right where it was hitting it. And after three times, I'm like, we're gonna wake up in the morning and the house is gonna be frozen. So I had to go out to Lowe's. I had to take my wife's Jeep because my truck, even my truck wouldn't have made it out. Wow. Yeah, and went to and I just had to get a couple pieces of pipe that I just stuck on it. To just divert the the intake a different direction so the snow would stop blowing into it. And that part, which was going to take maybe a minute once I had it all pieced together, I thought – I didn't even put gloves on or anything. It's like I'm just going to run out, throw the ladder up, put the pipe on. And just that, I went inside my hands. I couldn't move my fingers. They hurt so bad. (laughs) Well, you had to ask yourself, what would MacGyver do in this situation? Exactly. Yeah. And that, and I definitely MacGyvered the shit out of my, out of that pipe. Cause there's a two foot pipe just randomly hanging down and with an elbow on it pointed the other. I was just like holding my hand, like, which direction is the wind not bouncing off of? Cause so it stops doing this. <laughs> we managed to get it done. Uh, so how was, uh, how was Christmas for you guys? Jim, Jim, do you have any, I have very, I know very little about you. I have an in- interesting CV on you from your about section on Facebook. Uh, that we'll talk about, but uh, do you have do you have uh, a partner? Do you have kids? Anything? Or you? I know you're retired. Yes, oh, I've been waiting for that one for a long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm married uh, to a wonderful woman. We've celebrated, I guess, 36 years together, and uh, she deserves credit for putting up with me for all that time. Uh, no kids. She's on the board of a historic log house, and uh, so she was babysitting the place yesterday. Uh, while a group had its Christmas celebration inside the log house. So I put together a dinner of beef stew and red wine and that sort of thing and took it over there. And so we had this nice romantic little cruddy little room with a round hotel table (laughs) on it. But we had beef stew and wine and talked and then got out of the way before the uh, people were done. So uh, it, it was an unusual but a very fun day. That sounds fabulous, actually. 
Yeah. 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 Our, our, we have three kids that are still in the house. Mm-hmm. And we got up, and it was and and it was like the furnace was working, the gifts were out, it was great. And there's always something. My youngest, who's 11, got out and was like, I could tell something was wrong when he started like taking stuff out of his stocking, and he's like holding his stomach, but he's trying to fight through it. And then oh, no. two minutes later, he's puking and crying, and I'm like oh, laying in his no. bed with him, just like trying to calm him down for hours while everybody's waiting to open their presents. And it was it was oh, a rough. No. It was a it was a rough morning. There's always something with the kids in the house, but eventually he came around and we put. And some, then he got, got his hair. rabbit suit, his pink rabbit. Yeah, suit. Yeah, exactly, his pink <laughs> rabbit suit. And we made him wear it and take pictures. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How was your Christmas, Erica? It was great. We had a we had our my two baby nephews over and got a lot of good nephew time and ate way too many cookies and yeah, it's great as you, as you do. On Christmas, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we did. We we did manage to get out on Saturday night. My mom wanted to have all the family together for Christmas mm-hmm. Eve, and it was like mm-hmm. the weather broke enough, yep. and my dad plowed their driveway out enough yeah. that we all. But it was like we went over there, we ate, we opened gifts, and everybody's like, "We're getting the hell out of here because the snow is coming again. We're not it getting stuck stop. here." Yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, it was pretty rough. So, 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 Jim, you're married for 36 years. Uh, no kids. You're from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, well, that's where I am you... now. I was originally born in Missouri, and then moved to Milwaukee for 15 years, and spent 40 years as a journalist uh, along the way there, doing broadcast and print, and eventually a, a uh, trade publication for the uh, construction industry that dealt with stadiums, arenas, and convention centers. So that may be really popular at parties. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> you were the guy everybody wanted to talk to about the trade magazine. Yeah, you know, and I can tell great stories of wearing a Super Bowl ring and talking with team <laughs> owners and things like that. So there, there were stories to be had, but you know, I tell them that, and their eyes glaze over, and they're suddenly needing to refresh a drink that's already full. So, <laughs> 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 but you have, in fact, worn a Super Bowl ring. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did a couple of them. You know, you find yourself sitting at a round table at a at a uh, uh, a dinner of some type. And then the guy's wearing a Super Bowl ring, and, and these guys are huge. And yeah. so I say, you know, would you mind if I tried it on? And so I slipped it over my neck, and it just felt <laughs> wonderful. Is <laughs> it easy fit? Didn't have to use any butter or anything to slide it no, off there? No, no. Getting it off was a challenge, but unfortunately yeah. he had the strength, and I had the stamina, and the doctor's <laughs> bills weren't bad, and I... Got a free nose job out of the deal. So, yeah, okay, we worked, <laughs> nice. worked out okay. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, and I see in your on, on your, your Facebook CV that you are uh, a friar in the United Church of Bacon. I am. I also hold a doctorate degree now since that was posted in. So, oh, uh, it, it, a doctorate degree in, in the uh, sacred theology of bacon. Uh, also <laughs> in bacon. Okay, so you really, yeah. you've re- you're, you're, uh, you wrote your dissertation then on. Bacon. Oh, absolutely. What else? Yeah, what yeah. else would you do? Although it was mostly a test, and uh, yeah. uh, I, I did okay. I, as you could, I also spent about twenty, thirty years doing improv on and off. So uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to wander off here and just slap me and say, "Now back to the topic." Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, so did you really do improv for a long time? Oh yeah, absolutely. Get up on stage and make a fool of myself in front of people. I love nothing more. <laughs> no, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I'm not in improv, but I've started dabbling in uh, in stand up comedy, and yeah, it's a fun trick when you get up there and say some words, and people stare back at you, and <laughs> it's very humbling, especially stand up. Yeah. So the the amount of dedication and time that one has to put into it, 
not only to deal with an audience, but to write it and get the beats correctly mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. It's, it's a tough road to hoe. What I struggle with is when I'm trying to get the beats just right and the timing, and so I'm, I'm writing in the uh, pause for laughter, and then they don't laugh. That becomes a very awkward 10 so seconds. Then, then you just laugh. You just fill the silence with your own laugh. <laughs> That's usually what happens. That's like the, the most common. Really uncomfortable, like. <laughs> yeah. When I go laugh. to open mics, you see yeah. that so often. It's the most common thing. If somebody like tells a joke that nobody laughs at, the nervous self-laughter is yeah. the most. It makes you want to crawl it's inside. so painful. Like, oh, yeah. no. But open so mics painful. are nice because that the audience is our other comics waiting for their five minutes on stage. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. even if you lay an egg, there will be some of them out there that laugh and cheer you on and, and help you get going as opposed to the deathly silence of an audience that hears a joke that you know is a killer, but they just don't care for. Just, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I had an opposite experience. One of the, in one of the, there's a little, we don't have a good comedy club around here. They got like a little one that like, like, like up and coming comics put together that they have like in the basement of a hotel mm-hmm. and and I went to I was do I was doing an hour at uh, Obsess Fest in October so I was going every week to the open mic to work out pieces of the hour and one of the nights I went it was like there was 30 people in the room all 30 of them were other open mic comics yeah. and they were there were they were a bitter of comedians that day because <laughs> I was like, oh my god! I was like number seventeen on the list, and I'm uh-huh. sitting back watching and just watching people just eat shit one after another <laughs> after another. After... <laughs> These guys were brutal. I mean, some of the stuff was like deservedly should have been iced, but they were. Oh my god! There was a seventeen year. They was they were iced a seventeen year old kid. There was like. <laughs> This this guy came up who was funny. This guy came. The the guy has. Uh, I talked to him later. He's got cerebral palsy, and he goes uh, and 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 so the whole thing is kind of a struggle for him. But he got and he like was telling some good jokes, and all you hear is me in the back going ha ha. And then like I felt like am I the asshole for laughing? Like yeah. why are we doing this? No man, that's you. You're the one that keeps them getting up on stage the next time and the next time and the next time because they say I made one person laugh. Somebody got right. that joke. And then they yeah. go back and craft it and make it a, an even better joke. But yeah, yeah. you got it. It was like the the night just kept getting worse and worse because a- after every one of them went up and didn't get a laugh, now they were in a pit. They were pissed off. So then they're like, "Well, I'm not laughing at him." And like the the crowd just kept getting worse and worse yeah. and worse and <laughs> yeah. worse. Well, yeah. and you got to know that number thirty three is sitting there going, "Oh my god, I have to face this dreadful crowd out here. It's yeah. going to rip me a new one." And if there's just, anybody yep. left by that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. And even yeah, the beers was... aren't free, so you're getting up there getting embarrassed right. for no good reason. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, sp- speaking of improv, Becky and I watched. My wife and I watched last night. Um, did you ever watch the either one of you watch Murderville on Netflix? I have not. Oh, it's really good, and and I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now on the guy who um who does the show, but it's it's a it's an interesting concept where it's like this like like fictional crime thing where they're trying to solve a solve a crime every episode, mm-hmm. but then they bring on actors to do improv. So so the cast all has a script except them. And oh, then, good. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the one of the first episodes with Conan O'Brien. It's hysterical <laughs> because he is a very you know he's, he's the best of the best as far as yep. improv goes. Yeah. Right, and and he's just going right along with it. But so the, so the the series was hilarious. Well, they just came out with a Who Killed Santa special, 
I saw that. I haven't watched it, but I saw that on Netflix. Yeah. It's so, especially if you like improv. So they they have Jason Bateman, Bateman mm-hmm. and Maya Rudolph are the two guests on it. And they're Maya absolute, Rudolph Bate- at Christmas. Is that not perfect or what? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. so, and Bateman is, is just deadpan hysterical he's he's like not an improviser but he's no. just but he's just going but with whatever hilarious. yeah and they they're throwing ridiculous shit at him and he's trying to go along with it <laughs> and even i have to look i can't remember gosh darn i cannot remember the name of the guy that the the host of it but you can see him like in the background dying laughing watching <laughs> jason bateman try to put up with this shit highly recommend murderville right. good all stuff right. all right it's, now you've that put me into a time sink all right yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, so you were a journalist for all these years. You were recommended to us by uh, our good friend Brandon Hall from Good uh, Man from Nashville <laughs> Music City Nine One One Podcast. Oh, he saved my. I went down to Nashville uh, this summer in August, and we were just we were there for four days with some family, and my wife and I were you know we were deaf deaf by the second day from just sitting <laughs> in the bars downtown on Broadway, just getting some amazing music, but just. So like my my watch has the thing on it that tells me when the decibels yeah. are too loud, and all I was yeah. doing the whole time was going get out, get out, get out. It's too loud. <laughs> Run for your very life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had tinnitus, um, but yeah, we were trying to uh, find something to do, and, and, I, and Brandon reached out to me because he saw I was in town and took us out to some cool areas outside of town, and good. we hung out with him and had a had a good dinner. So all those years of journalism, you retire. And then in May of 2021, you launched Scams and Cons. What what was the impetus between you for you to start a podcast? Well, in journalism, I always enjoy looking behind the scenes of what was going on. So could tell that story. Uh, I was never that interested in the uh, the uh, the victim's tale of what happened to them. So I decided. Well, I started out in radio, which I've always said is the most fun you can have with your clothes on. Um, so I, I went to, you almost just made Bob choke. Well, you know, and I liked looking behind the scenes and I liked radio and I got tired of being thrown out of department store dressing rooms. So I decided to start a podcast that looked behind the scenes of, uh, scams and cons because they're intricate. They require precision, uh, a lot of things that are fun about it. So, uh, I started putting this together. Uh, and we're about to launch our fourth season in January. I don't know when this airs, but uh, so that's set up and should be interesting. We do a little pivot on that in terms of what we've done before, but that's that's where we be. In in the first three seasons, you really you covered kind of individual scams and cons with every episode, right? And is is the is the pivot from what I understand? You're gonna you're gonna look at more broader scale scams and cons that, that yeah. affect lots of people. Yeah, we're, what we're going to do is we've we've done pickpockets and Russian brides and uh, different things like that. So we've we've focused on that. So we're going to turn around now and look at scams that involve thousands, if not millions, of people in terms of what they've done. Uh, so as I look through my list here, uh, we've got some stuff coming up on uh, the Tom Pendergast political campaign in Kansas City, which sounds horribly dull until you realize that he helped put Harry Truman in office uh, oh, to wow. become president of the United States. Uh, we've got uh, different things on, um, and I'm having to go back and look, so please edit me out on this, bribery and how bribery has been used by American companies around the world to get their projects 
going forward. So that's, in a sense, uh, scamming that. But I think my favorite at this point comes out of Alabama, uh, where there was a law written in 1939 that sheriffs were responsible for the food budgets of their prisoners. So they were allocated X amount of money, and any money that was left over at the end of the year, they got to put directly into their pockets. What could go wrong? Yeah, yeah, that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. What 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 year was this? The, bad the, company the, policy. They're playing so thirty nine. I see. It's been a while back. It's pretty fast and loose with the budget. Yeah, and it was finally repealed in twenty eighteen. And through all those years, sheriffs were doing this sort of thing. One sheriff got the nickname of Sheriff Corndog because he and another <laughs> sheriff put their money together uh, to spend a thousand dollars on a truckload of corn dogs, and the prisoners ate. Corn dogs twice a day for a month until the supply ran out, which is pretty grim. But um, again, kind of looking at scams yeah, are big, run. I'm a on, big fan of corn dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, as long as they give me some mustard, I'm good. Okay, well, and a Ferris wheel, you probably want in there as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's the kind of things we're doing now. We'll see if the audience uh, likes those ideas or not, and. Uh, but otherwise, I'm just kind of beating a dead horse, and uh, they deserve better than that. I should try to come up with something different. So uh, we'll go this route, and if they say, what a bad choice, then uh, yeah. we'll see what else we can do in the future. So is the is the, is the tone very serious telling these stories, or is there is there kind of a fun aspect to the way you tell the stories, or does it vary by the, by the case? Uh, it does. Well, it varies. I do – three, maybe four cases per episode. Um, uh -huh. So uh, I start out clearly with an attention grabber. Uh, yeah. That's going to get them into it. Uh, and then I get into a little, okay, and now I've told you how this scam works. Let me show you how that, that practice has been changed to do the same scam, but in other different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so that you get an idea like, oh, okay, I just don't have to worry about some guy who leaves his dog in a bar. Uh, and tells the owner that it's a valuable uh, a pedigree dog. Uh, but that same thing is used with jewelry and, and other locations. Um, mm -hmm. So then we come back with uh, finally something that's funny uh, that I can find that it takes the, the scam to an extreme uh, mm -hmm. and get some fun quotes in there and that sort of thing. And, and hopefully along the line, I drop in some, uh, some funny lines. Uh, but since you don't get the feedback. I have no idea where that is. But uh, <laughs> right. so um, I, I try not to inject too much of my personality into it, uh, which is probably wrong because podcasters tell me all the time that people want to hear about me. But I tend to do things like I do here, laugh, joke, and that sort of thing. And it's really difficult to do that when you're talking about prisoners who are starving. So, yeah. Right, for sure. Have you, when you're looking in these big, big scams, have you, have you paid any, first of all, is the whole scams and cons thing, is that something that was always an interest of yours or is that just you know oh. something you noticed that people weren't telling these stories? Oh, no. I love caper films. I mean, I, uh -huh. I just eat those up with a spoon. So uh, that was probably why one of the big reasons I chose the topic because I thought, well, if I'm going to do something different, what do I want? I go, well, indulge myself. <laughs> there you go. Have you followed at all would be a, a super interesting story for season four. The the Sam Bankman Freed FTX scandal that's going on right now. I guess if people aren't aren't really too into uh, crypto, they might not know about it. But it's 
It's been um, a huge national story. Uh, nobody is as, as into crypto as you are. Okay, <laughs> stop trying. This to one make broke through. This one happening. broke through to the main. This dude stole billions of dollars from people. Oh well, and Bernie made off and all those sorts of things yeah. too. Uh, I oh. try to stay away from more contemporary things because it's been in the papers. People have read all about it, and right. what am I going to bring to the table that's going to surprise them or sure, or, you know that sort of thing. So at well, plus Especially and, something and like that cowardly. that's being told in the news right now. Yeah, and, and cowardly, you know, that's in the news. And since it hasn't been adjudicated, I could easily be open for libel or things like that. And, sure, uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, so, you're like, so you start telling the story and you get to the end and you go, TBD, folks, stay mm-hmm. tuned. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And Erica, I'm telling you, watch, the, there will be a major motion picture in the next two years about this. It was, it was... You know the the crypto industry is something that's that's relatively new and unregulated, and everybody's trying right. to find out how to handle it. Well, this guy sure. Sam Bakeman Fried, who had huge connections to the the SEC, and, you know, was working with them and working on policy. You know, had this um, well, like it, their uh, his cryptocurrency exchange FTX was like there's an FTX stadium. Uh, you know, they they bought huge mm-hmm. you know rights to sports teams and mm-hmm. all this stuff. They're huge. Well, it was a complete Ponzi scheme. People were depositing their crypto on his exchange and then he was taking their literally taking their their money mm-hmm. and investing yeah. it in other places and gambling right. it in other places and it was like just the same thing that happens you know with the ba- it, suddenly there was a bank run and the money wasn't there and then everything just there was no liquidity yep. and everything dried up and he yeah. ran away to the Bahamas they ended up catching him he got arrested in the Bahamas which he was what he was hoping for uh, until he found out they put him in a not so nice place in the Bahamas. And then he started begging for extradition. And now they've extradited him back to the United States. He's probably going to prison for the rest of his life. I mean, there's billions and billions of dollars that this guy scanned people out of. Crazy. Actually, I did hear about that movie that you're talking about. And I hear the Winklevoss brothers are producing it. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to be – yeah, somebody will make a – because it, it's a weird thing too because he's like a young guy and he's like a weird kind of an interesting character. Um, yeah, somebody somebody will make a – will end up making a movie about this thing because it's – it's there's too much – you know, it, the only difference between this and like Bernie Madoff and and, and the, uh, the, the, the way our banks work in general is the <laughs> fact that he did it all with magic internet money. Uh, right. Instead of with yeah. <laughs> instead of with fiat money. <laughs> well, there was a great story in the Washington Post on the twenty fifth about the people who invested in Twitter, who put their uh-huh. money behind Musk, uh, Musk to to do yeah. that, and getting some of their reactions on it and that sort of thing. And of course, they're still cheering it on because they don't want to look like fools, despite the fact. Well, they are fools. I'm so, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you know, like Larry Ellison, who uh, used to run Oracle. And uh, bought the island of Kauai in in Hawaii. Um, he put a lot of money into it, and mm. and other people who should know better. But uh, just because you're rich, don't mean you're smart, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's turned into a huge shit show. The only thing good I think to come out of it is that we're learning how corrupt both sides are with all the bullshit that was going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it, it, and then now he's doing anyway. It's a whole complete, it's like he's doing the same shit they were doing. But. Yeah, it's a wild, wild world. Yep. But you know, you got to wonder um, if Elon Musk is pulling a scam on somebody because yeah. the guy is is not a fool. Maybe he <laughs> is, but 
So what's, you know, what's he doing coming in here, slashing all the jobs and doing all this thing? I mean, it's not like you could sell it off for parts. Uh, right. He, so I, it, I, I wonder what the, the end game is on that. Um, and I'll be really disappointed if it's just that he's stupid. Uh, yeah, right. as, as opposed to like, <laughs> right. ah, we're all slapping our heads and said, well, we should have seen that one coming. So, right. yeah. Well, what, what, what I find so fascinating about it is that I don't, I think he's, he's in, intensely intelligent, which makes me like, whenever he's doing something that's like, yeah. why would you do that? That's the stupidest. It always seems like later on you find out he was 10 steps ahead of everybody in the, you know, what he was. So I can't, yeah, I can't make heads or tails of what the hell, but you know, he does stuff like. Like, did you know that Tesla, th- that his patents on Tesla are open source? I mean, literally, he's made it. So, and yeah, no shit, really. Oh yeah, what he said was, if someone else can take our patents and make a better electric car, then that'll help with the environment, and that's our ultimate goal. So, his patents on the, like this insane technology are open source. Anybody can take can take his patents, and he did it on purpose. And so he does shit like that where you're like, yeah, that's really surprising. I love this guy. <laughs> right. You know, what a great guy. And then he's like, yeah. but then he like does other shit where you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, he, <laughs> like he names his children. That's just, what was he thinking? Have you yeah. seen his children's <laughs> names? No. no. You haven't? Oh are my you God. A Republican They're... strategist? I'm sorry. I don't mean to step on you. Go right ahead. No, you're totally fine. I was just, I'm shocked that Bob hasn't seen his children's name. It's like, well, you know, I don't do social media. So I don't really, it's like yeah. NXV.2YX or something. But doesn't he have like nine children or something? I, He's got like probably, kids all over the place. Probably. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I have, I have, as far as your question, no, absolutely not. I, I'm the most, I'm the person that cannot stand either party. Uh, and <laughs> I don't want, I, I wish they would both just go away and we could start over. Well, I, you know, I was wondering because you've now given me a time sink in this Murderville thing and now yeah. you're trying to convince me to change my mind on Elon Musk. And I feel like, ah, <laughs> oh, you know, this, this guy is here to change my view of the world Uh-oh, and I'll go back into my own trouble. little cocoon. Thank you very much. <laughs> the the view I try to get people to change about the world is that nothing is as black and white as you think about, as you yes. think it is. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, there's always, there's always a lot of gray somewhere in between mm-hmm. there. Absolutely. Um, and, and the and the the gray area, in my opinion, has just gone away from our zeitgeist completely. It's like you're either on yeah. this team or you're on this team, and and if this team does something wrong, we ignore it because that's our right. team. And if this team <laughs> doesn't, you know, and it, and it flip flops in both directions. But that but and I'm Elon's with you, brother. Perfect, yeah, and Elon's <laughs> a perfect example of that to me. Like he's done some some horrific things that are that are like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. But then yeah. it's like, but then he's doing other things. It's like, well, he does. I mean, he's. He's doing other shit that, that yeah. is like it, the only possible explanation for it is that he genuinely has an interest in helping humanity. But then he's doing so. other stuff that's like, why are you trying to ruin humanity? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like release the patents, but you understand you're building batteries. You get that? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Listen, I oh, I can go conspiracy theory all day long. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. everything's to save the environment. Why couldn't they make the roof of Tesla's solar panels? And then we wouldn't need the big energy at all. You know, we wouldn't need the all the electric companies. Hmm? Who's paying that bill? <laughs> In 20 years, we'll find out what the scam is. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's the oil companies controlling it. Whoa. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 They, that would be the biggest one. Like, the fuck happened here? How do we not see that coming? <laughs> right. 
somehow it's still helping the oil companies. <laughs> oh well, we should get we should get in, in into your podcast. So so every you release episodes every other week. Correct. Uh, and so you do you talk about kind of three different cases for uh, that are about the scam. The scam we're going to talk about today is the Russian bride scam, which I'm 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 very interested in because there's there's seems to be a bifurcation between the Russian bride scam and legitimate mail order Russian brides, which I thought that was the scam. But mm-hmm. as I'm reading about it and and, and looking at the things that you've talked about. That the, that those are are kind of two different things, even though they both seem pretty scammy to me. So it's just tell tell us yeah. about the Russian bride scam. Well, the Russian bride scam is where you're a lonely person and or just taken by the beauty of the person on the other end of the line, and they begin to talk to you. You develop a relationship. You dump your personal stories on them. They build a relationship with you. And so over time, they say, well, we need to meet, need to get together. And it turns out that uh, the person on the other end of the line has had a terrible emergency. Their mother's gone into the hospital and they just don't have the money. So the sucker, and I say sucker because that's what people in the trade call them. We we tend uh-huh. to use the word marks and that's used occasionally, mm-hmm. but really sucker is the word that's that's used. So the sucker sends over a couple of thousand dollars to help that and Oh, so grateful my mom's doing well and that sort of thing. And a couple of chances to meet are, are put together and eventually they just drain the person who the sucker is dry. And when that person either realizes they've been taken uh, or have no longer no more money, then things evaporate. And frequently the people who are suckered are uh, aware of the fact that they've been caught, that they've been 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 pulled into the scam, but they're so far into it that they won't walk away. They they stay right with it, um, and that's kind of an amazing thing. If you think of spousal abuse or that sort of stuff, you wonder why at at this distance that that magic power seems to have its own uh, life to it. Then there are ones that are more in your face with it. Uh, included in the audio with that podcast is actual videos from a company that provides these services. And they're very upfront and they say, so why are all our women so beautiful? Well, that's because we charge them a fee for makeup and photography and that sort of thing. And they show you pictures of that process. Um, So they're very much there. You want to buy her a gift? Well, go to our gift store and here's a price for that. Would you like to chat with her? Well, we can do that and and make different things happen. So that amazed me at just how openly brazen uh, they are like, hey, this is a scam. You know it. We know it. Let's make it easy for you. We'll just take your money by credit card. And um, (laughs) um, that's a level of evolution that I have had not seen. Um, And then there, of course, there are the... uh, Indonesian uh, shops where women are forced to do these things and uh, police raid them and try to break them up and they just scatter to a phone bag someplace else. And that's that's one of the ugly sides of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing. And this this is why I try to, how I structure the, the podcast is to show you the bad side of it and then take you through the parts that are less grim and then end you up with the uh, the, the audio of the, the uh, customer service line of the uh, upfront service. So you can see there's such a range of techniques that are used uh, in this particular scam. And unfortunately, one woman from Australia 
uh, spent 13 years in prison in Argentina because she was taking a briefcase to the to her beloved, not realizing there were were secret documents and drugs and that sort of thing packed into the briefcase. And they got down there, busted her for the drugs, and of course the uh, the con artist disappeared, and it took forever just to get her out of there. So, mm-hmm. wow, because there are, and I say legitimate, I use that term loosely. Russian bride. So like I, 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 I personally know a person <laughs> I'm trying to be very careful about not exposing, <laughs> but, but this dude left his wife of 25 years because he ordered a Russian mail order bride and it was legit. Like he paid mm-hmm. this money and this, that, you know, he, this dude's in his, in his late fifties, early sixties. And here comes this 25 year old, beautiful Russian girl that is now his wife that he ordered on the internet. That some and I don't know how that process worked. Um, it's still and I say it still become seems to become a scam because you know he left his wife and left everything behind and had the and and bragged to everyone about his new Russian bride and and then a year later I ran into him and just asked him how that was going for him and he told me to go f myself <laughs> because she was, she was not good. Uh, she got here and then uh, I don't know how, I didn't get the details. I don't know how long she was around for before she just disappeared on him and was and was gone. So that you know that was kind of but it it seems like it has to be those real stories of people doing this stuff that actually end up with a young woman coming here to come live with them and be their bride that suckers people into the scam that you're talking about where they just keep throwing more and more and more and more money and then never even get their bride. Well, absolutely. And in that case, you have somebody in the middle who's playing suckers on both ends. Right. Um, the guy on, on, on the U.S. end who bought the bride thinks he's buying happiness and companionship and whatever else. Uh, the woman on the other end thinks she's buying a ticket to a better life. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. And so money is taken from both sides. And then when the woman gets into the United States and if they get married and such so she can remain here, then the person who brought her over then can pull strings and, and make her dance to different tunes. Uh, and it's not always so bad as prostitution or that sort of thing, but it's definitely human trafficking. I don't think there's any way right. else to look at it. Yeah, and that's what like when I saw this that we were going to be talking about the Russian bride scam. That's what I really thought the whole thing was about because that's what it, you know I, I was never able to really put my finger on how it worked because on the mm-hmm. face of it, when everybody you know when when he would tell me about this was that she was like this willing part you know, you know she wanted to come over and marry him if he paid you know but it just seems like that can't be the case. There has to be some human trafficking in there somewhere right. or. Yeah, you know, there's there's got to be other things going on uh, for this to work out because otherwise, uh, unless it's just the money from the middleman, there's got to be some benefit in in it for them to have some kind of control. Yeah, it's it, when you I did work for an NGO for a while and traveled around to parts of the world that most people don't even want to see, um, and you can understand the desperation of people wanting to get out of those situations and uh-huh. get get someplace where there's just a chance of living a better life. Uh, if you remember oh, several years ago, there was a uh, TV spot for Save the Children, which showed a slum in the Philippines with a train that ran right through the middle of it. Well, I've been there. I've stood in that location and seen the train go through, and there are sewage ditches and uh, people struggling for clean water and 
you got to ask yourself if that's the situation that you lived in and someone came up to you and say, how would you like to be for sale to go marry some rich American and live a better mm-hmm. life? You'd almost say, well, anything's better than this because this ain't going to get any better. And right. uh, so you do it. And it's, it, it's a shame to prey on people, but um, I'll get also, also get on my political high horse and say we should never allow people to live in that kind of situation. But right. that's yeah. – uh, sure. That's a different situation, but uh, that's why it's such a predatory thing. Then you get somebody in the United States that has tons of advantages uh, just by being here, um, and they're emotionally victimized as well. So it's mm. financial on one side, emotional on the other, and that can't turn out to anything but a train wreck. Right. Yeah, and it seems like Wait, that's am I an upper it... on this one, huh? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> well, geez, that was fun, Jim. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got rope for sale with the pre not dot spree tides. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's the thing. That's the thing is, it's hard to. It, you know, there's, I'm sure, with a lot of the the scams and cons you talk about, there's certainly a humorous element to them. I mean, there's something funny always about about somebody being greedy. Usually, it involves some some kind of greed, whether it's you know, greed of lust or greed of money, mm-hmm. uh, where somebody uh, you know does something foolish. Because they want something so bad, and then it ends up blowing up in their face. There's there's a comedic element to that sometimes, but there's yeah. always a real victim in there somewhere. Right. Yeah, three card Mahdi is a, is a great example of that, and people tend to think it's um it's. Do I need to explain three card Mahdi? It's it's like the shell game, but it's done with mm-hmm. cards. It's it's you know sometimes it's called follow the lady or or that sort of thing. Uh, so you've got this guy tossing cards on a table. Uh, actually, it's, it's a cardboard box with a cloth over the top of it. And so you're supposed to follow the queen. Well, the way the, uh, the sh- uh, it's shuffled, you can look under and see where the queen is. And you've got various idiots that are sitting there just can't seem to do it, while the sucker's sitting on the outside watching and going, I can do this. I can win this. Mm-hmm. Well, once he's identified as a sucker, then what's called the gate opens. And other shills in the crowd began to kind of move around him and steer him up to the front of the table. Now, if he's with anybody, uh, they steer that person to the outside so they can't say, you fool, walk away mm-hmm. from this. Mm-hmm. And so once they have them up there and the guy wins a couple of hands and they then want to raise the stakes on it, uh, then the, uh, the tosser makes the mark unhappy, gets him angry, gets him just frustrated with the guys. And so he says, okay, I'm going to beat you because I've been beating you all this time. And so this is the time that he loses big and uh, all his money is gone and he's angry and the box and the table have just disappeared because that's the way it's designed to happen. And you tend to think it's the tosser that's the only person in the game, but generally it takes six or seven people to do this to move mm-hmm. them into the gate, to create the anger and take the money. And it's so sophisticated that when it's over with and the sucker is just angry, they're fuming, they're pissed off, they've been robbed, they know they're a sucker, uh, some kindly old person comes shuffling down the sidewalk and said, oh, I'm so sorry, I, I, I wanted to warn you, I couldn't get in to tell you that this, this is, a, is a group of bad people and don't, don't go after them, go, go to the police because I've seen them turn mean and angry and threaten people and beat the hell out of them. So 
Just let it go. Take your beating. Here, let me give you $10 for a bus ride back to your hotel and, and go there and just, just forget about it. Just walk away from this. And that person is called the smoother. And mm. their job is to take the anger away while the Mahdi is moved around the corner to another location to pick somebody else out. Um, and it's it's very complicated and interesting thing. It's called the longest running show on Broadway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so interesting. That, that's fascinating yeah. to me. How I never thought about you know how that works. So the, it's it's a whole thing with a whole team of people, not just the guy with the sleight of hand with the cards. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, talk about when you're talking, we were talking about improv earlier. I feel like being a con artist is a perfect form of improv when you're you know you're you're almost setting up a stage with your act and your characters and then you have to sort of improv through the situation manipulate the guy the sucker yeah erica you know i i feel you and i kind of had a bond going here and <laughs> yeah. maybe we should get together uh, unfortunately the heater has gone out of my house so oh, yes. you're in michigan so well indianapolis well i could probably drive that do you, do you think you could spare a thousand bucks for me absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> Damn. If you only yeah. liked balding 68-year-old men, <laughs> ah, I'd have it made. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and his name is Jim Grinstead, and the podcast is called Scams and Cons. Uh, they release episodes every two weeks. There's three seasons already done. The season three just wrapped on December yep. 1st, and season four is coming in January. Check it out. There's a ton to listen to. Could be your next big true crime binge. Find out how to not get scammed by Mr. Jim Grinstead. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. This has been a blast. It has been fun, and I'll make a shameless plug that you can find us wherever you find podcasts or at scamsandcons.com. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Kelly Barron's Brink. Our production manager and co-host is Erica Cantor. Music and show artwork was created by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com and episode artwork is created by John Hayes. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is truecrimebinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. Make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. And thank you so much for listening. And make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge. (laughs) 